Successful Performer Cast, Episode 46. This is the show that interviews one full-time professional entertainer per week with the goal of inspiring and equipping those who are working to make the leap themselves. This is the Successful Performer Cast. Hey everyone, thanks for tuning in to the Successful Performer Cast, the show that interviews professional entertainers to inspire you, our listeners. Before we get started, I just wanted to remind you of a few things. Be sure to pick up your free PDF show booking and debrief form that I've put together for you. It's an invaluable tool that will help you keep track of all aspects of your show and get everything you can out of it in order to improve your act and grow as a performer. Pick it up at SuccessfulPerformerCast.com slash booking sheet. Don't forget to visit our Facebook group where you can go and post questions and help each other out with any business challenges you might have. It's a closed group right now, so you'll have to request entry, but don't worry. I'll let you in. I promise. Find that at SuccessfulPerformerCast.com slash FB group. Finally, if you can think of anything I can do to improve my show, any resources you'd like to see on my website, or would like to suggest someone to interview, please drop me a line at KS at SuccessfulPerformerCast.com or hit me up on the social networks and let me know. I'm open to suggestions and feedback and have already implemented many suggestions from you guys. Now, let's get to the good stuff. It's my pleasure to welcome to the show a wonderful entertainer. Brian Glow is a corporate magician based out of Winnipeg, Manitoba, Canada. Brian specializes in corporate magic shows, melding the company's message, theme, logos, products, and services into his magical performances, wowing and educating all that witness his presentations. He's performed over 7,000 corporate shows in over 40 countries for Fortune 500 and local businesses alike, including but certainly not limited to Ford, Canon, Apple, Air Canada, and Hewlett-Packard. The Chicago Tribune says joy and cleverness seem to pervade his work. Brian Glow, I'm super excited to have you as a guest on the Successful Performer Cast. Thank you for being here today. Hey, thanks, Chris. Hey, the pleasure's mine. So uh, let, let's start off with a little bit of inspiration here. Do you have a favorite success quote or a, a specific mantra that you live by? I, you know, absolutely. And uh, this came about, oh, probably in the 70s. Uh, I saw a poster and it said, to be good is not enough when you dream of being great. And I literally try to live by that. And I think it was attributed to Einstein, but I'm not sure. Uh, it's a long time ago. I've got it all over the place. I still look at it. I still believe in it. And I think it's a pretty good uh, mantra. That's, that's awesome. Could you uh, give us a, spe- a specific example of maybe uh, a time in your life where maybe you've realized that you, you were maybe just being good when you were really dreaming of being great? I think I still do. <laughs> I don't think that ever goes away. Uh-huh. I, I think you have to have that sort of in the back of your head. Mm-hmm. Anytime you're designing something new or even something old, I continuously go back to material and rework it to see if I can get every little bit out of it. And I think that kind of attention to detail, when you find material that is you, and I mean, I go through tons and tons of tricks before I pick one that is my, it, it suits me. 
because if it doesn't suit me, if it's just a good trick, it doesn't play well for me. I've, it's got to be something that I would do, something that fits my character, which is fairly humorous. And I'm short and five five, and you know, I run around a lot. And it's so it's got to have some energy to it too. <clears throat> so when I'm when I'm thinking about whatever material I'm doing, I'm trying to think of, okay, if that's a good line, that worked. We can take that one out and. and and you know it's funny because the material that I've been doing sometimes 20, 30 years that I keep coming back to keeps getting honed and tweaked. So I don't think there is a process where you are good enough. Uh, I just think you you have to always be striving to be better. Right, right. And, and it seems uh, that this particular mantra is kind of manifesting itself uh, in your life and in your performances in that things are constantly changing, things are constantly growing, and, and you're never just satisfied with, uh, with the status quo. You're always looking for new ways and, and different things you could do to make things better. Uh, absolutely. I mean, I, I'm driven to get new material, especially because of the repeat. Uh, mm-hmm. I've clients that have been some of them like Hewlett Packard for twenty seven plus years or something that keep hiring nice. new product launches and trade shows and sales meetings and whatever new event that they're gonna do. Um, and and that kind of forces you into going, Oh, I just did these guys a year ago. I they're gonna remember. I better come up with material that works with them. And more importantly, if it doesn't fit and this is where the corporate end of it comes in. If it doesn't fit what their general messaging themes and and product launch is going to be, they're not looking for just entertainment. Some of them are. I mean, mm-hmm. blow away killer illusion show with twenty two people. We can do that and and have for for decades. But if it's a, a sales meeting where they're trying to launch a new printer, for instance, they want things that that are going to match and fit and work into the same presentations because they want the material to be memorable. Because it's a sales meeting. These guys are there to motivate their salespeople to learn about new parts of the product so that they can go off to their sub-sales people and motivate them and in turn get the public to buy. Okay, okay. Wow, yeah, yeah. Now, so let, let's let's go ahead and jump into uh, talking about the corporate arena. Could you tell us uh, maybe your approach of how you customize your shows for your clients? Boy, that's I mean, that's a huge question because every single company is different. Um, let's take a, a trade show as a perfect example. Uh, they're going to have generally a, a new product that they're trying to sell or even an old product that say it's um, a piece of security software. I'm, I used to do many years for a company called SecureWave out of Belgium and they are a brilliant, brilliant they started off as banking software, then they went to military, and, and the FBI bought 58,000 licenses from them, and very, very high-level security stuff. How do you take a piece of magic and incorporate the points that they want to get across to 35,000 people that might be at this uh, at an interop or one of these other big tech shows? So you have to think about what the messages that they're trying to get across, and they may have a script that's 10 pages long and you <laughs> you got 7 to 12 minutes to <laughs> capture and, and deliver information, build a crowd and you know try and get leads and then try and turn those leads into uh, something a little higher prospect. So in that case you may want to settle on five major points or maybe even four major points of the product and if it happens to be something um, that would be in, the, in their case, they had a, 
won't, it won't make a difference if I tell you this because it's too techy. But they, they basically want to say that once the software is on your computer, when you put their security software, it kind of builds a wall around it. Okay. Most normal security software, you're constantly patching and patching, and their software, nothing can get inside because nothing can get outside. And it's it's like once that material is locked in, if you try to even put a USB stick in, all you get is encrypted crap. Huh. It's 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 unbelievable in terms of what they've done. It's very different from um, Kim McAfee or um, any of the other major name softwares that we would buy for the general public. Okay. It's in fact the complete opposite, where everything is locked in, nothing can be changed unless it's the um, the manager of the software. That so it's it's not so much it's not so much as people uh, pr protecting people from getting in. It's protecting things from getting out. Then nothing can get out. Exactly. Okay. Right? Especially you know if you're talking about the FBI, maybe they've got uh, a, a list of protected people that they want to keep from bad guys finding out about. <laughs> yeah. They want that stuff getting out, so it's got to be protected in a completely different way. So how do you get that kind of points across? Well. It's all about visuals. You can do something as simple as the sponge balls. Perfect example. You know, uh, I've got. Uh, imagine that this is a, a piece of viral information trying to get into your secured area, and no, most software doesn't block it. So you can see that when you open up your hand, the software is actually invaded into your space. You can go on and you can you can make the scripts as as, as demonstrative as possible because the trick really becomes absolutely secondary at this point. You're just trying to get an image across to the audience that conveys the point. So you really, uh, as uh, Bill Goldman used to say, leave your ego at the door. Because okay. you cannot uh, think that the, the magic is what you're there for. You're, it's not. It, you, you're there to push product, you're there to get leads, to generate leads, to bring crowds in and get noticed by uh, maybe the media if that's possible. So that that would be for a trade show. So that's a very more public thing. In a sales meeting, it's totally the opposite. The information that you're trying to get across to the salespeople, you don't want getting out to the general public. You don't want it getting out to the media because this is usually stuff that might happen a year in advance of a launch of a product. Okay, yeah. So, but so now you can you actually you can have a little more fun doing stuff. Um, I did uh, a launch for. Um, uh, HP had one called Every Second Counts, and it was based on the Lance Armstrong book uh, on, on how you you break down every moment of your training, and, you, and, and in this case, every moment of your sales, to figure out the best points of getting it across to, you, to your salespeople. And I came up with a, a series of tricks using time and clocks and watches, and that happened all through the show. Not the entire show, because that would be really boring, but right. it started off... Um, where I told the audience that we wanted to, people to check their watches. I want you to sync your watches to the same to the same time. And we had someone stand up and they called out the time and say it was 8:01 in the evening. And I want everyone to set your watches to 8:01. And I threw a ball over my head and it got passed around. And we designated one person at any time during the show. They could jump up and say, "Stop the show." and preferably before or after a trick, but it doesn't have to be, it's their free choice, you can stop the show. And at that point, we're going to do something amazing. And 45 
some odd minutes goes by and suddenly someone jumps up and leaps and says, stop the show. And I bring notice to a, a bag that's been hanging overhead, about 15, 20 feet overhead. And it's lowered down and they come up on stage and they tell us what time they stopped it at and make a big deal about the time. And when it, the bag, they open up the bag and pull it out. It's a giant two foot uh, clock that you might see in a in a in a business or a school. Okay, yeah. Those big things, but it's got a shattered front and it stopped exactly at the same time as the person had stopped. And the back of it has the battery ripped out. You can see that there's no cover on it. The guts are all ruined. And so it was a prediction with, with a clock. <clears throat> it was a brilliant idea by Guy Bavley, actually. Okay. And I, I modified it for for this show, and that was that was kind of the finale. And when that happened, now I launch into the whole motivational piece that we've written about uh, guarding your time and using every second, and the whole scripted. It was about a, a twelve minute piece on time and and use of time, and that could have happened at any time during the show because it was really upbeat kind of exciting it just happened that it was just before the end of the show which was great because the finale piece which was a burn bill and lemon you know, with, with the, the, a non-traditional ending it had a couple of little you know, little fun bits that happened in between and after that uh that tied in perfectly with the with the time uh, aspect so in, in that case it worked out really good but it could have happened at any time but that's a way of taking a, an idea with their theme, in this case it happened to be about time and time management, and working a show around time. And it used a, a bunch of mentalism and, and magic and all kinds of stuff. But it was 575 people that literally represented billions okay. of dollars of sales, literally, yeah. because they had hundreds of salespeople under them. These were all the heads from all the different countries from around the world that HP had. So it was a big deal. Wow. So, so basically, you, you're just uh, you're just using your performance of, of magic as an illustration for for scripts that you get from the company. Well, no, I wrote or, the script. You, you wrote the script. Okay. Okay. They write the scripts and do all the do all of it. They they tell us what they want to get across. Right. They give you the points that they they want you to touch on. Yeah. Now okay. I have to make it entertaining, but more importantly, I have to make it memorable. Because if they, at right. the end of the day, if they walk out of there and they don't remember what the points were that they were trying to get across, I did not do my job. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So that's so that's an, another way of, of doing corporate. And then thirdly, then there's the the banquet and the incentive travel and the uh, the awards and the and the big presentations, and that's a fun, straight out, blow them away kind of production. And again, that could be huge concert illusion show, which is what I'm probably known for most. Mm-hmm. Or, uh, down to, uh, you know, a comedy one-man show. Uh, uh, again, a mix of magic and mind reading and fun stuff. Okay. And that has no agenda except to, to just make them laugh. Right. Entertain and, and uh, yeah, absolutely. Because that that's kind of a, a reward for their hard work. Absolutely. And in, there's cases where I've done shows where I've done all three sections because a lot of uh, sales meetings may have a trade show component. Some of them do have banquets. I may come in and do the MC work. I've done workshops and seminars on creativity and memorability and all kinds of other cool stuff. So I'm literally there maybe for three days, and I, I'm the company guy. Okay. So I'm there to, to do everything. And it takes a huge amount of prep work, but um, after 40 plus years of doing it, it kind of it's become second nature now. Mm-hmm. 
All right, so so Brian, how did you break into the corporate arena? Oh, um, accidentally. Okay, uh, <laughs> let's hear it. <laughs> in uh, 1973, I was working restaurants, uh, table to table, uh, restaurant in Winnipeg where I live called okay. Stock and Barrel Restaurant. It was kind of a high-end corporate restaurant. It was really a great place, steaks and ribs and that sort of stuff. And I was uh, performing, uh, started off on Sundays, and then it became Saturdays and Sundays, and Friday, Saturdays, and Sundays, and <laughs> it, was, it literally was just full-time shows for me. <clears throat> and because so many of the people coming there were, were business guys and uh, bringing their wives or their clients there, uh, every once in a while, someone would, you know, I'd come to the table, I'm doing stuff at the end, they'd say, hey, you know, you should be at our trade show booth, that would be fun. i go, hey, that would be great. <clears throat> you know, what's a trade show? <laughs> I had no idea. In 1973, I had no concept of what that was until I, I saw my first one. I went to a convention center uh, for not not to do a show. But I was invited to, I, I was at like a home show or a boat show or some odd thing like that. And just we had some tickets, we went. And I went, oh man, I could, I could do that. <laughs> and uh, that started it. I started banging on doors telling people I could work at their trade show booth and I could incorporate the message and I had no idea what I was doing. I had never done it before. But I'd read a little tiny booklet called uh, by, by uh, uh, Paul Diamond called It Takes Guts, Damn It. Yeah. Yeah, uh, and I knew Paul. I mean, he, I, I'd met him uh, in, in Winnipeg when he'd come to the lecture and other things. and, and uh, so, and one of the things, you know, this is naivety, of course, it said, oh, just, just walk into a hospitality suite and start doing tricks until people are interested and ask who the boss is. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so, I yeah. said, oh, I guess that this is how they do it. So, I did it. <laughs> and that's, wow, yeah. That's literally how I got my first um, uh, hospitality gig. That wasn't a trade show. That was my first hospitality gig. But they, they, they liked it enough that uh, I did convince them a, a year later to start doing uh, using me for trade shows and one turned into two which turned into four and then uh, other people as I could get people to come to the booth people around us got kind of jealous and uh, you know trade show booth managers would walk up and say you know what would it take to have you come and do our show uh, you know and I, I said so long as you're not competing with these guys and you're not um, uh, at the same show I'd be happy to talk to you because the one thing I learned right away is that you, you, you don't crap or you, you sleep, right? Absolutely. And because these guys may use you for a year and maybe they won't have you back for three years, but it doesn't matter. You'll never get them back if, you, if you're going to the competition. Mm -hmm. And I can tell you there's many, many, many times I could have made so much more by jumping ship to go to other people. Uh, but the rewards paid off in time uh, many, many times over because I, I did you know, have that loyalty and because you've got to become the company guy. You, yeah. you have to. You have to. It's it's essential because that's that's how they think and especially in the States. Uh, I'm Canadian and uh, you know, I, I do a lot of traveling. You know, the show's been in, in now in 43 countries so I know from what I'm talking about that uh, especially the multinationals that hire me will, you know, we did Kuala Lumpur, Jakarta, Bangkok, Hong Kong, Singapore, Manila just doing one dog and pony show alone. And that was for two months straight. But that's, you don't get that right away. It takes years of confidence building, and, and you've got to build up relationships. You've got to get to know people, and they come and go. And one thing you're going to learn about this business is that the guy who you thought was booking you every year, all of a sudden, 
is either gone to another company or has just gone out of that business or changed to a totally new industry. Right. And if you haven't set up a a relationship with other people besides the person booking you, you could find yourself out of work really quickly, even though it took you a year to negotiate getting these guys to like you. Because it's all about the, the three holy grails of marketing is no like and trust. Yeah. And if they don't know, like, and trust you, there's no way they're going to give you thousands and thousands of dollars of data to take their company message to someone. they got to trust you that you can deliver and not only deliver, that you can convert. Because if you can't convert people, uh, you shouldn't be in this business. Because it's, it's, it's not just about bringing people in at a trade show or, or making things memorable. You've, you've got to go to that, that next level, which is having people who are thinking about buying something start thinking about buying the people you're representing because if you can do that you can walk on wall in, in, in corporate right and and you're golden at that point so Brian do you come from a, a corporate background or, or marketing or sales or anything like that or well, um, I, I have I, I have three degrees but I have only uh, I, from high school on I've only done magic I've never worked anything else except magic in my entire life mm-hmm. I've been started doing magic in 1966 when I was about uh, six seven okay. plus. so when when uh, when you when you kind of fell into this it was really trial by fire for you and, and it was sink or swim well, yeah I mean look I, I, I did the usual thing the birthday wedding bar mitzvah kind of things uh, you know, I, I earned my chops by doing tons and tons and tons of little shows, and I got the restaurant work by walking into a restaurant and talking to the manager one Sunday. Uh, in fact, I was with my parents. We were eating there, and it, we were having a you know fun time. And I was doing some tricks at the table, and people around me were looking at the thing. And I said, "Hey, you know what? Uh, I, I'm going to go talk to the manager." And that's all I did. I walked up to the manager, and I said, "Hey, uh, I'd love to." Uh, perform at this restaurant. It's a great restaurant. People really, you know, it's, a lot of people are here. And I think you could do even more. And I said, uh, I'll work for free tonight. I'll walk the room and, and talk to me. Yeah. I said, okay, go ahead. I was in a suit. I it looked good. You know, I was walking around. I was introduced myself as a magician and I just started doing, you know, I had no idea what I was doing, but I was doing close up and I had a bunch of stuff in my pockets as usual. And funny enough, I only had to do three, four tricks. And it was, you know, I didn't accept tips for anything. I just kept on moving. And yeah. one, one table would call me over, then the next table, and the next table, and the maitre d' would call and say, this guy over here wants to see you. And, and you know, two hours later, the manager called me over and said, can you start next Sunday? And I said, absolutely. All right. And that's, that's the place uh, where you said it was kind of the more high-end corporate uh, place where you started getting the other yeah. gigs. It just happened. It was a really, it was a, a, you know, one of these steak and rib places. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, that, that's the, I, I wouldn't go. So, do you want to start from there and we can talk about that? Um, yeah, to, well, let's, let's see here. That was my lead. That I mean, from that, it went into my first long tour. Okay, and then, okay. Then I really got into corporate after that. All right. So, h- how do you uh, how do you go about marketing yourself right now for uh, for companies? Well, really, right now, ninety nine percent of my marketing is through the internet. Uh, mm-hmm. I a lot of uh, besides websites, we, we do autoresponders. I do a lot of 
research on companies that I might target. Okay. Send them materials. Ask to like, get down to uh, the person who makes decisions in depending on the end of the corporation I'm looking at doing. If I if I see that they do you know 30 trade shows a year, I'm going to go after the trade show manager. If I see that they do four or five sales meetings a year, I might go after the sales managers. So 99% of my work is actually in uh, u utilizing internet. Uh, I've used the internet since it was uh, the internet and even a little before that to get into computer science. And, but I, I you know, besides having just a, a good websites that are optimized for keywords and, and that sort of thing, I do a lot of cold calling. I actually have virtual assistants doing the, uh, the background work for me to get to the people I want to know who are doing the trade shows or sales meetings. And then I'll directly target those people by calling them up and pitching them on an idea. And I've used the internet to look up the company and learn about what they do, what products they've got, and see if it's a fit for me as well, and see if I can be a fit for them. I don't go in cold. I come up with a game plan. I have ideas already for them as to what I want to pitch. Then I will give them, uh, I'll send them um, the links to the to the websites, but I'm also sending them into an autoresponder uh, sequence where they start getting uh, videos and letters and, and information from me for a, a period of time because in the corporate world no one makes a, a snap decision yeah. and sometimes it takes three months, six months, even a year or two before you get your first involvement with them. Uh, I can't tell you how many companies that I'm dealing with that are three, four years down the road on conferences uh, that are already booked and I'm, I'm working on the third or fourth year down the road but they've already got an idea as to what they're going to be doing. Some of the bigger companies are like that. I mean, they they have large organizations that look after their production. So I may not be using uh, the company itself. I might be going to a producer and talking to their show producers who are outside of that company and working with them directly. Okay. Now, where where do you go to uh, to find out about the companies that that you uh, want to approach? Well, it, it's 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 not not rocket science. Uh, I look at the Fortune 1,000 companies. And okay. I, these are a thousand companies that I should go after. Yeah. <laughs> but start, like, how, how do you find out, like, uh, um, you know, how many trade shows they're doing and and uh, different things like that? Oh, uh, if, if you can search uh, online, there's there's many many trade show directory sites that actually list. The conventions uh, and and conferences and trade shows that are that are occurring all over the world. Uh, I'm a little more finicky because I want to I, I kind of target in and I'll give you an example. Say I wanted to target into um, a particular tech sector that maybe manufactures uh, specialized chips. Okay. Just example. I'm going to go down to a small niche because I know that it's very high end. That they've got a huge amount of money to spend that a lot of these guys go to virtually hundreds of shows in many, many countries. Uh, because for them, it's it's being seen by as many people as possible to push their agenda because they're always up against the, the giants like Intel. Not that we don't try to get after Intel. Sure, yeah. It's like that too, but but uh, there's low-hanging fruit where you may not, especially if you're in the, in, you know, in the beginnings of your corporate career, even in the, in the midst of it, it could be 20, 30 years and still go after the lower end guys because they're 
some of them are so big or they they have budgets in marketing that are are bigger because they know who they're up against and they're willing to take a chance to go into something a little more different and innovative that will set them apart from someone else and if you can convince them that you're the guy you know that's I mean that's your job I and mean, that's that's what marketing is all about right what makes you different from everybody else because if you're coming in as Joe the Magician, you're not getting in. Yeah, yeah, you've you have to have something to sell them. You have to have a specialty. You've got to be able to know the lingo. You've got to be able to walk the walk and do the talk. And that's important. So that's why researching a company and finding out what products to do and what kind of nomenclature they use. Go on to the forums that these tech guys go on to, that the engineers go on to, and start seeing what their, the latest new stuff is. It'll give you a ton, a ton of... Uh, hint, uh, hints as to what you should be looking at in the future and say you you know if you're new to the game you may want to look at something a year down the road or two years down the road and so you see something that's being developed and you know that they're going to be putting a huge amount of marketing behind it if they're already talking about it yeah because to launch something new takes an egregious amount of money and they need as much bang for the buck as possible and if you can guarantee them that you're going to be building those crowds that you're going to be able to get media attention, that you're the one who can get the message across to the masses really simply and quickly, because believe me, their engineers can't. You know, they use 20 words and do three. It's it's ridiculous. Uh, I love them to death, but I got to tell you, they they get so enthralled with what they're doing that they can't explain it to anybody because they get into the minutia and you want to look at big picture stuff. And that's where you have to kind of keep to is the big picture. Yeah, yeah. Uh, for medical devices, for instance, you're going to get down to minutia because it might be that's what they're pushing is this little tiny, tiny sector of the medical industry of a, a, maybe a new stent that's going into a heart valve. And it's a tiny little piece that goes into an artery. You know, that's what they're selling, this little tiny mesh thing. And what makes it is because it's made of titanium and then, and then, and then, it's got all these other what makes it more wonderful than everybody else's stent and to to get that across in a really cool way man that's that's the holy grail if you can if you can convince them that you can do that so it means doing a lot of research finding out targeting these guys and and uh, they're not going to call you <laughs> unless you unless you're being seen by you know tens of thousands of people uh, every day at, at, at big trade shows which I'm lucky enough to have done that they're not going to call. I mean, I was lucky enough that probably every show in the last 10, 15 years that I've done is, you know, gotten other shows from them because people have seen me and they see the crowds and they go, well, we want that. So I might not get them that year or the next year, maybe it's two or three years. It doesn't matter to me. You've got to keep those contacts alive and you've got to keep, keep maintaining those contacts. I mean, you may have met some sales guy but you don't know that he's not going to be the VP of sales in five years it's just amazing uh, just you know keeping in contact keeping a huge database you know light emails and like I said this is where things like autoresponders come in where you can have a database of names and, and send out you know pre-do 10 messages to them over 10 months and every month they get a little note about you well that's going to keep you on the top of their mind, so long as it isn't a pushy sales kind of thing. They, they hate that. They don't want to be sold, but maybe you have a really cool idea. You saw some uh, new product launch they might be interested in because we saw 
that uh, maybe Dell's working on this new uh, platinum technology level. Oh, you know, you know, stuff that they may or may not have heard of. And even if they haven't, you know, you send them a link to an article. I mean, stuff like that, you have no idea how memorable that becomes to someone because these guys are busy. They don't have time to see anything. And all of a sudden, they get a link to something of just nothing, non very non-committal. Hi, hey, it's Brian Glow, the magician. I just thought, I saw this thing in an article. I thought about you guys. thought you might be interested in it. Boom, that's it. Three lines. Mm -hmm. and But that three lines can lead to tens of thousands of dollars. And, and those are the kind of things that are in your autoresponders? Yeah, yeah well, okay. those, are, those aren't in the autoresponders. Those are in between the autoresponders. Okay, okay. You know, I might have four messages to them, but I may, uh, you know, when I'm, if I know I'm working a certain tech sector, I'll keep a library and, and do a ton of research on stuff that's happening, and I'll keep it in a, in a little area uh, of notes. And uh, when I see something, I'll have it on a reminder calendar, on a Google calendar, that says, hey, you know, they're launching this thing on the 16th. You should call blah, blah, blah. I actually do that in Act, but uh, but I've been using Google calendars for that, too, for, because I'm on the road a lot. And yeah. Remind you know, I get a little phone message. So th those things are really great because they're kind of off the the cuff things um, and you know yeah sometimes you have hundreds of those but if you've got five in a sector all doing the same thing it's the same message to them and just change the name mm -hmm. so you know, uh, right. yeah that's a physical thing it's not an auto thing but it's so personal um, and I basically do it till they tell me to piss off. You know? <laughs> so ba basically, you're you're just uh, in your in your short interactions with them. You're trying to find ways that you can be of value to them. You always that's 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 the only reason they're going to look at you is mm -hmm. that you you have more value than they do. You know, right. you, you're on top of this stuff. How do you have time for all this stuff? Well, I'm, I'm targeting you. <laughs> <laughs> I want you. Yeah. Uh, you know, if it's a particular conference, for instance, uh, I had a, a, a great example. I had a show in Mexico City, and I had, I knew I was going to be down there for three days. And I thought, what else is there? So I started looking at what other conferences were happening in Mexico City, and there were tons of them. And I found a couple of really big ones, and I honed in and looked at, uh, and in this case, it happened to be a trade show. And I happened to look at the, the, the trade show room map, and it had all the big booths that were going to be there. And this is, you know, yeah, a year in advance, I already knew. So I just started calling up those big companies till I got one. And uh, sure enough, you know, uh, I did a, a wonderful little sales presentation for a company that was in it was an ag sector. And then the next thing I was doing was the chemical company in a totally different thing in plastics at a trade show. So, you know, you you you, you try to target. You see, try to use your time wisely instead of going to a show in some city for one shot, why not look at what else is around the corner and during that week? And so it costs you a couple of days extra hotel because they're not paying for it. Who cares? Yeah, yeah. No. Wow. So you you have you have all kinds of things that you're doing. You've got uh, uh, the the ways you're keeping in touch with uh, the companies you target with your autoresponders, with the uh, the little short personal emails. You have uh, cold calls that you're doing. You have. Uh, uh, your virtual assistants working with you. Uh, what's what's been one thing that's worked really really well for you out of all of this? Uh, unfortunately, it's the cold calling. <laughs> really? Because I, I hate it. Yeah. 
because it takes so much time. But I'm good at it. It's you know, it's a very conversational kind of tone. It's uh, it's something I've just it's not something new to me. I've been doing it this way for so long that it's nothing for me to you know. Okay, I'm going to make ten calls this morning. I mean, one of the things that you have to run this thing is as a, as a business. You've got you've got the magic and you've got the business. I mean, show business, right? Two words. The longest word is business. So yep. you really have to treat it. You got to do it like okay. I'm going to do like a ninety-five. No, I don't do nine to five, but say I want to work, um, I, I work mornings. I get up at 5.30 in the morning, that's that's when I get up. And because I'm dealing with lots of time zones, it's, it's a little different. But if you were, say you're say you're in California or something and it's 8 o'clock in California, well, it's, you know, uh, 10 and 11 o'clock in, in other parts of the country. So you're already, you know, talking to them. Uh, you can be on the phones for two hours. You know, you can do some research for an hour. And you just... Start doing that all the time. You make it the habit, right? You do something for three weeks, it becomes habit. Mm -hmm. Just do it every single day and just keep doing it. And you you map your time out and say, I'm not going to look at emails. I'm not going to do any of this stuff. I'm gonna, this is all I'm going to do for the next two or three hours. Yeah. When you make that your day, you, you'll be shocked. You'll be shocked at how many contacts you come up with and how many emails and how many promo kits you're you're going to have out but i i want to warn anyone who's listening to this that you better have your material ready to go before you make your first call you want to make sure that you've got photos and a good press release and that you've got uh, a you know a website that's worthy of corporate because if it looks like crap they won't last one second on it they won't even give you the time of day so you've got to you've got to it's got to have a modicum of look to it. It doesn't have to be fancy. It doesn't have to be, you know, a twenty thousand dollars site. It's just got to look clean and show that, you know, you've done the work. And uh, you know, if you have to fake it till you make it, all right. You know, who am I to judge? But um, you know, you've, you're going to have to have uh, social proofing, and that means testimonials and video and audio and, and letters and quotes and media and all of that. And what that will do is uh, give you credibility as a corporate performer. So when you do send someone to the site, they say, hey, this guy knows what he's talking about. One of the first things you've got to do is have a website that shows that you're a corporate performer. If you're, in the, if you're going after the corporate industry or whatever industry you're going into, you've got to have yeah. a site that reflects whatever you're doing. You, you got to have everything that looks professional, right. properly so, branded, and, and ready to go. I don't care if you're doing kids shows or if you're doing corporate shows or if you're doing um, banquet and award shows or weddings. You want to only each whatever website you've got should speak to only one thing. So if you're doing corporate, it's got to be about corporate. It can't be about weddings and bar mitzvahs for some kids shows. It's got to be only about corporate. If you're doing a kids show. Don't have something about corporate and weddings. If you're doing weddings. Don't have anything about universities and, and, and birthday parties. You know what I mean? Right. It's got to be properly targeted. Target to one thing, because when someone comes to your site, they want to see that that's what they what they were looking for is what you're talking about. <laughs> whether that's on the phone or whether it's on your site or whatever. So having the materials on your site is really good. So. You have to be ready. For instance, uh, if you if they want headshots, you've got to be able to have headshots. If you want an MC bio, 
to email them right away. You want to be able to literally have a file full of this stuff where you just click and send, boom, it's done. The faster it comes to them, they're not used to that. Yeah. Absolutely blown away that you've responded so fast. I can send a headshot to you. I know you wanted something. As we're talking, I could have had it sent to you. Because mm -hmm. exactly where it is, I can bang it off in an email. I don't want to interrupt the signal. Right. Opening up other programs. Yeah. But literally, that, you, you have to be ready to do that. We do intro videos. We do clips. Uh, uh, on YouTube, we've probably got, I don't know, 15, 20 little clips. But privately, I've probably got 40 or 50 clips mm -hmm. ready for any kind of company. I, I know for me, for instance, if I needed a thing for a pharmaceutical company, I've got pharmaceutical stuff. And if I wanted a, a big ag corporation like Fargill, I could have stuff about ag. And, and same thing with, with the different testimonials. I've got them uh, all lined up in different segments. And, and that builds up over time, obviously. But, but even if you have one that gives you credibility as to something you've done before, you know, that's more than the other guy's got. Yeah, yeah. Right away, is really impressive. I can't, I can't stress about speed. Right, absolutely. So, Brian, what has been your biggest professional challenge so far, and how have you overcome that? Um, well, I guess world touring has always been uh, a, a challenging, more because of the logistics. I, you know, I had to teach myself. My first world tour was the '77. Uh, we started off in Africa and went through Europe, and since then. Wow! Yeah. Learning about visas and carnets and insurance and, and, and having the logistics of moving around. My, my larger show used to be 22 people, smaller now. But we, for, for decades, we hauled around that many people around the world. And, and that was, that was a, I'll tell you, that was hard. I mean, I had a production manager work with me and we had people doing all the airlines and things like that. But, it, you know, the buck still stops with you and you've got to be able to have everything organized and double check that everything was done because if something's wrong, you're the guy, you know, in, in, uh, in Kuala Lumpur, stuck without a visa, being sent home, you know. <laughs> so it, it better be that you can't rely on the company to do it because, in, in, you know, maybe they thought they were had everything all lined up, but, but they didn't. Uh, I, I speak from experience on that one. <laughs> wow, yeah. Yeah. So, Brian, what, what I would like you to talk about right now is, uh, is we, we've all had them. Could you tell us about a specific uh, failure, whether in performing or in business, some that you've had that we can all learn from? Um, yeah, okay. <clears throat> this is, uh, boy, this was a biggie. Um, we had... We'd been negotiating with a, a place in China, and in, in Guangzhou province, and they um, we probably been negotiated almost two years with this company to bring a huge arena-style show, seven thousand seat, and it was a one-year contract, six days, optionally seven days a week, two shows a night, for a year with an option of three years. And this went on forever because, you know, they love to negotiate. <laughs> so um, wonderful people, but hard, hard, hardcore. And this went through lawyers and producers and production people. And it just, it became hugely involved. Anyways, we finally settled 
got contracts done. You're now eight months into production. Literally had been working on the show for eight months, sunk a huge amount of money. It was plus seven figures into this show. Wow. Investors because we figured this is gonna be this is this is it, right? And produced some huge pieces. I mean some of the illusions are thirteen feet tall. Yeah. And we were getting ready the thirty eight days before the show uh, was to be sent to China, I get a call in the middle of taping a TV special, literally in the middle of the TV special, um, during the break. And it's, uh, it was at that time, the, um, the consulate from the Canadian consulate in, in China saying, you can't come. I said, what are you talking about? You guys helped broker the deal. We worked on this thing for, for years. Well, you haven't seen it in the news yet, but you're going to hear about it very soon. There's a there's a terrible disease in China right now. Technically, we're, right now we're calling it by an acronym the WHO calls SARS. Wow. Uh, huh? Wow. So what's that? Yeah. And I find you know there's ten thousand people in hospitals and everything's closed down, and the epicenter was right where we were going to be, where it started in in that area apparently. And for four months, they had not talked to the WHO. They thought they could contain it and, and, and hold the disease. But then it spread like wildfire. And uh, they in, enacted a part of the contract called Force Majeure, which is the Act of God Clause, which I've never used in my entire life, but is in every contract you'll ever sign. Yeah. Because of war, tumult, disease, you know, this contract is null and void, and no one is at fault. Yeah. Except that we put seven figures into a production. And it was gone in one second. Poof! Wow. And now, what was hard is that you've got to remember we have not been booking for literally two years because we had knew we were going to be taking off one to four years of shows. So for two years, I have not been booking for my future. And. Um, that was a bit of a setback. <laughs> yeah, wow. So, you know, what can you learn from it? Uh, yeah, well, have investors <laughs> would have been nice. Sure. But, uh, you know, but I'm glad it didn't because it didn't hurt anyone else. Yeah. Uh, you know, the contracts were, were, were golden. But, I mean, this is, this is one of the things that can happen to you. I mean, I lost 13 shows in 9-11. You know when all the flights got canceled and you know couldn't leave. Yeah. Uh, so there's but but, the, but that was minor compared to you know to you know not having booked shows. Uh, it was it was devastating because now I had literally had to start from scratch booking. I've got this massive show and had at that point over forty people working on the show mm -hmm. time for eight months. That's a lot. So, what what did you do? <laughs> um, uh, after I cried. <laughs> yeah, yeah. A after after the shell shock. Uh, try and continue doing a TV show after that. Oh, you're on in twenty minutes. <laughs> oh man. Um, you know what do you do? You you go back to what you know and and just plug and, away. And you pay the bank off, right? Mm. 
and that's what you do, and that's what we did. But uh, talk about a, a setback, and, and you know, all I can say is, you, if you have, I never relied on agents in my life. I've had, always, I've have used tons and tons of agents and producers for years and years and years, but I've never relied on them. If you can rely on yourself and you know your business and you can, you can book shows and, and sell, you'll be good forever. You can be dropped in the middle of the Gobi Desert and make a living. Yeah. I, I tell people this all the time. If you have a good background, if you've got good skills, if you've got a good business sense, the two combined, you can work anywhere in the world. You might have to start from, you know, lowly beginnings. Now, I was lucky. I, I could. I contacted lots of my biggest corporate clients and said I'm available. And, you know, it, it was six, eight, seven months that we had nothing. Like, nothing. Uh, but um, they, it came through and it built and built and built. And, you know, I just, I worked like a dog to, to get my schedule back up and running. And I did. Yeah. Wow. So, I mean, that's that's really the bottom line is if if you if you can know and have learned the skills of marketing and selling and promoting yourself and you've got a good show you can make a living till you die mm-hmm. you know and you can whether and I know guys making six figures doing birthday parties so yeah. don't discount that because there's guys out there doing phenomenally well you know like my buddy Chris Cool and others who are doing big, big, big stuff, unbelievable. Um, uh, Dave Farr, you know, guys like that. Uh, Brad Ross, uh, he's got a bigger show. But I mean, working, working, working. Why? Because they know how to market themselves. Yeah. Those skills, and you're good forever. I mean, I can't give you any better advice than that. Yeah. And and, and no, you know, talking talking about setbacks. I can't tell you how many times, you know, because I fly a lot, how many times they've lost luggage. But I, for many, many years, decades now, I've never gotten on a plane without having a carry-on show. Mm -hmm. I literally could get off the plane with no luggage because I always wear a suit on a plane. And And I am good to go. But I also know enough for, because I've, I've made sure I know I could walk into Walmart and, and produce a show for 500 people for an hour, and I bet it wouldn't cost me 30, 40 bucks. <laughs> you have to have that. You've got to know. You've got to go back to the tar bells and other stuff. You can do phenomenal magic if you're a good entertainer mm-hmm. with minimal props. Uh, you know, look at Max Maven. I mean, he, yeah. That's a show from home, from you know, from nothing. <laughs> yep. <laughs> wow. So, Brian, on the opposite side of the spectrum, what would you say is your favorite success? Um, oh, my kids. Hey, there you go. <laughs> Truly. How, how many kids do you have? Two boys, uh, twenty-one and twenty-four. Nice. Cool. I've, I've got uh, three kids, so. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, good stuff, good stuff. So we're uh, we're here at the end of the show, and this is uh, basically where I have you just recommend a few things. So first off, I would like you to uh, basically recommend a resource that you always use to our listeners, and this could be anything from an iPhone app to something like a prop list for your show. Oh, man, there's so many 
No, really. I know, uh, I know. I mean, books. Arm yourselves with tons of books, and not just magic books. Magic books are great, but... Absolutely. We'll, 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 get to, we'll get to books in just a moment here, but uh, something that's not a book. Uh, I do a lot of lists. I do a lot of pr- um, prep lists. Uh, okay. Because everything is in the details. I have lists for packing from everything from whether it's uh, international travel to local travel to you know packing a show I've got I've got lists of uh, because I change the tricks so often yeah uh, I'll have a separate database for whatever trick I'm doing all the props I need to have for it and I'll double check that and I'll check them off as I'm packing them uh-huh. I do have pre-packed shows literally all ready to go I have three duplicates of my my number one show so if something happens it could be FedEx to me if, if that was a problem if I can I can always do the Walmart thing but I've always got material with me anyways on my carry-on uh-huh. and it's great stuff it's a material now it's not B material that's the other thing when you when you are thinking about having that spare show with you it shouldn't be any less than the best material you do right and, and, and that's super important because you want to be confident when you're doing the show that this is the stuff that's going to kill. Yeah. Um, you know, what if, if you're doing bigger stuff like I do, you know, if it's an illusion show, <laughs> you know, you can, you know, you could, you have to substitute. What are you going to do if props don't get there in a truck because of a storm stops your semi from getting there? Hey, if you roll a toilet paper, I'm going to do paper balls and I'll kill five thousand people. <laughs> not, not kidding. Yeah. Not, I mean, you have to think like that. You yep. always have to think like that. And you can produce. I've got whole shows that use nothing but, you know, attache case full of stuff that's, you know, the patch flat plays big. Well, there are stuff that really does, but you've got to do a lot of research because very few is a AAA material. Unless you've got something, uh, you know, really worked out. And I have taken the time to look that out. So lists are a huge thing. Uh, apps. Oh, my God. There's so many different apps. Uh, I use a lot of different travel apps like TripIt and things uh-huh. like that. Keeping track of, of different, uh, you know, flight times and things like that to make sure that, you know, the, the flights actually are on time when you get to the airport. You know that you're going to miss one. You can literally be calling ahead to try and rebook something. Yeah. Tons and tons and tons of great apps on, on obviously on the internet. Uh, it's, it's specifically, uh, yeah. Well, I'm a, I'm a list guy. I mean, really, you got to be organized because it's. There's just so many things happening in corporate world that take your time away from doing things. Make sure if you're using lights that you have a really good lighting plot. Uh, if you if you if it's really complex, make sure you're taking a lighting sound person with you. <laughs> it's worth every penny. If it's if it's not, then don't make your show complicated. Make it like super super simple, and that's okay. I mean, I need four lights on a stand. <laughs> well, that's okay. You know, but if you if you have music cues and stuff like that, unless you're using something like show cues or cue control or anything like for for running your own music, you, if it's really complicated, bring your own person. Don't rely on their person; they'll never get it right. Uh, if it's simple stuff, great, give it to them. Make sure you've caught copies on a on a on a flash drive, on CDs, on your computer that's with you, or a tablet. Multiple copies. Man, that saved my butt more times than I can tell you. Wow, yeah. Yeah. So, <laughs> if, if it can go wrong, it will. Yeah, it's it's Murphy, it's, right? 
Murphy mm -hmm. tags along sometimes. Thousands of shows, I can tell you. It's, the more you do, the more it happens because it's, you know, it's it's like you know, never no one ever thought you were. We get so many diseases when we get to ninety. It's because no one lived that long. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, as long as so, the older you get, the the more things that can happen. Well, the more shows you do, the the more war stories you collect. And yeah, I've got hundreds of them, literally. Wow. So now I'd like you to recommend two books, one of them being a performance-specific book, and then one outside of the performance realm, like a business or a self-development book. Oh, man. Um, well, I'm a book now. I mean, <laughs> I, I have over 2,500 magic books. I've, I've got more than 500 DVDs, and I've collected 700 videotapes, two to four hours long since 1979, of every show that I've ever been able to videotape. Yeah. So I, I'm, a, I'm a big fan of that uh, for resources, but uh, boy, a, a great book that I liked that was a business book, uh, Kenny Cragen. Uh, he was uh, the manager to um, uh, Know How to Fold Him, the country singer. Uh, oh, I don't know who that is. Oh, oh man, big, big country guy. Anyways, uh, his book was called Life is a Contact Sport. Had eighty of the biggest, star, literally eighty of the biggest stars in the world were his clients. Oh wow! He had a lot more until he had a heart attack, and then he cut it down to eighty of the top stars in the world, and he managed them. He didn't just age; he was that manager. And life as a contact sport is all about how to get through the the people that are stopping you from getting to the person you got to contact. All the gatekeepers, how to get around the gatekeepers, how yeah. he this business. Brilliant, brilliant book. Um, it, it totally apropos right now, even though it was written in the 90s. Absolutely, I've read it twice, probably in the last two years, because I, I keep finding stuff that's good. Yeah. So that's that's a great book. Um, and for performance, man, anything by Jim Steinmeier in the world, anything. Uh, I... I can't say enough about him. <laughs> um, I met him because I, I was friends with Doug Henning. Okay. And oh, uh, cool. uh, I would say that, oh, oh man, there's, you know, Tarbell's indispensable. Yeah. You know, people poo poo Tarbell, but, but it's got, it's probably been the basis of hundreds of tricks that I've done because it gives you a starting point to create some brilliant new stuff. You can go to any page, pick out something, and, and, refine it and work on it and make it different and, and make it entertaining. And some of them are just by themselves drop dead fabulous. Mm -hmm. I mean, there's hundreds of fabulous tricks in Tarville. Hundreds. Yeah. Um, I mean, look at uh, Dan Harlan and uh, Scott Alexander. I mean, how much material they've produced. DVDs full of stuff just from Tarville mm -hmm. on their takes on it. So, great, great stuff there. Uh, you know, if you had to have something in a library, if you have a small library, spend your money on that. Absolutely! Wow. So, you know, <laughs> that's just, but I, you know, I invest in marketing books and, and seminars, and go online, listen to business podcasts like yourself. Uh, you've got to educate yourself. You've got to know how to get out there and market on the internet nowadays. You've got to know about Facebook ads, and you've got to know about LinkedIn. You've got to know about uh, you know um, autoresponders and and everything else. Because uh, if you're not, your competition is. Yeah, absolutely. 
Absolutely. So a uh, quick uh, note to our listeners, links to these resources will be provided in the show notes, which you'll be able to find at SuccessfulPerformerCast.com slash Brian Glow, and that's B-R-I-A-N-G-L-O-W. So Brian, I'd like you to do one more thing for us, and that would be just give a piece of parting advice to our listeners, and then tell us where we can find you online, plug your services, and uh, anything else that you'd like to do. Uh, sure. Um, parting information, uh, be prepared. Do the scouting thing. Before you're going after the corporate market, make sure you've got all your ducks in a row. Make sure you've got the best material you can get. Um, if you have to hire high school students to do it better than you, do that. Outsource it if you have to, if you can't do it. But have really good, solid material that looks good. Get, get a good professional photographer to do your photos. Um, if you're doing video, don't use a handy cam or something. Get a professional with lighting. Yeah. Take a bunch of shows. You know, use little clips. Get them up on YouTube. Uh, start driving. You know, backlinks to your website and stuff like that. So that's just that's like pure essential stuff. Um, one of our websites, and we've got lots, but um, uh, CorporateEventEntertainmentMagician.com. I know it's really long, but that's because of the keyword thing. So. <laughs> got other ones but corporate event entertainment magician.com that's a that's a nice little site all right i've got lots of sites for different like very specific things yeah absolutely well brian you've shared all kinds of great information that our listeners can use to help grow their performance businesses thank you so much for joining us tonight and sharing your experience Really, my pleasure. Thanks a lot, and Chris. And um, I'm glad you're doing these podcasts. It uh, can only push the business bigger. Hey, thank you. I appreciate that. Hey guys, this is Chris Shepard, your host, signing out. I just wanted to remind you of a couple of things here. Uh, be sure to visit our Facebook group and interact there. You can find that at SuccessfulPerformerCast.com slash FB group. And also don't forget to check out that free PDF show booking and debrief form. And you can find that at SuccessfulPerformerCast.com slash booking sheet. And also if there's any way that, I, that you think I can improve the show or anything uh, you would like to see in the future or anybody you'd like me to you know, try and get on the show as a guest, uh, just shoot me an email at ks at SuccessfulPerformerCast.com. Now, go out there and make your dreams happen. Look at Max Maven. I mean, he, yeah. He, that's a show from home, from, you know... From nothing. Staples. Yep. <laughs> <laughs>